And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, banner 12 plus 6 here. Fast PP. Top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tate. Fournier. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Anything is Possible! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you after the the fuck just happened. Shocking news that Danny Ainge is retiring. Brad Stevens is getting promoted to president of basketball operations. And all of a sudden, the Celtics are in need of a new head coach who Brad Stevens will be in charge of hiring. I don't know where this news came from. I did not see this coming whatsoever. Uh, just absolutely gobsmacked by the announcement this morning. Uh, the Celtics ended up having a press conference at noon today. Jay, what the, what the hell is going on out there? It's crazy. It is absolutely insane. I went to bed at like 5.30 after filing my story, set my alarm for 9.00. And did not know that I would be working the whole day and that the Celtics <laughs> would be undergoing a franchise overhaul and that this would be one of the most significant days in a long time in the Celtics franchise. Danny Ainge steps down. Brad Stevens steps up. I don't know what the fuck just happened. Um, there had been some rumors that Ainge could be – on the the move. Where were these rumors? I heard none of these rumors. That's that's you got to be an insider to get the rumors, bro. I'm not an insider. I'm a professional sports fan. So so that didn't come as like a total total shock. But Stevens leaving his coaching position to take Ainge's spot. What? Banana Land. What? Banana Pants. What? I I did not expect that. Didn't anticipate it. Um, but. After watching the press conference, Stevens sounds very excited for a new challenge. And 
he's looking forward to his new role. So he's got a lot of work to do. He's got to hire a new coach. He's got to retool a roster that needs help. He's got to learn how to be a president of basketball operations, a role he has never had before in his entire life. So here we are. What a wild day. What a wild day. I mean, I'm just shocked. Yeah, Brad Stevens, who has never done anything other than be a head basketball coach. I mean, what was his last job? Like, he worked Eli for Lilly? Eli, yeah, Lilly? Eli Lilly. Uh, that was his last job before coaching. So, hopefully, he lasts longer as the president of basketball operations than he did at Eli Lilly. I mean, it's is he kind of has a tough thing. We talked about it in the last podcast where it's just it's going to be very interesting to see um, what happens next. And there's a lot of questions going into this off season, but I think the biggest uh, question is who's going to be the new head coach of the Celtics. Uh, that's the, like sets the stage for the entire off season. And we've seen some names floated out there, but um, before we get to specific names, I think what's your reaction to the Celtics changing coaches? I think Brad has been here for eight seasons. I would say, I mean, I'm obviously quite biased, but I would say that he has been very successful. Seven playoffs, made the round, second round uh, four times, Eastern Conference Finals three times. Uh, just been a very good coach, but then you also have had his uh, his struggles where there's been critiques of his offense and I don't know, people saying he like lost the locker room this year. I don't really believe that. But just your reaction to Brad no longer being the coach of this team. Is it a positive? Is it a negative? What's going on here? I mean, the Celtics lost a very good GM and a very good coach on the same day. Say what you want about this past season. Say what you want about Ainge's decisions over the last few years and some of the you know, talent departures that, that the Celtics have had. But Ainge had a very long run of success. Even with some of the recent failures, he set the Celtics up to with Tatum and Brown and chances to build out a core around those guys. And Stevens, like he's made the Eastern Conference Finals three out of the last five years now. We can't count that. Can't count this one anymore. They they have not. They are not going to make it this year. Um, oh, we got we got Coley in the house. We got we had, I saw him. I saw him creeping in the chats, and we thought we had to bring in the editor of Barstool Sports, uh, friend of the program, the Mick Man, uh, Coley Mick. Who were, were you? Just as dumbfounded as we were when you saw this news this morning? Yeah, it's not what I expected to wake up to. I I went to bed last night being like, all right, I'm not going to think about the Celtics. I don't even know when the draft is. July, like late July. July. Like, yeah, I'm going to take a mental my first Celtics mental break which I recommend for everyone. And Danny Ainge told us all, fuck ourselves. He was like, that's not yeah, what we're doing. taking the same mental break. Yeah, he was like, you know what? It's actually my turn first. You guys got a lot to discuss right now. I mean, what, like, I, I'm actually thinking about it just listening to you guys talk. Is Brad Stevens, like, either the most, like, mentally secure person alive or the biggest, like, how many people would be, no, I still have to keep coaching. Like, I need to prove that I have to win a championship. Like, all we've heard in New England is Belichick has to prove he can win a championship without Tom Brady, which is one of the more asinine thoughts 
a lot of people have. And Brad Stevens was like, you know what? I didn't win in college. I didn't win in the NBA. I came super close in both, and I'm done coaching. Like, he's still, what, 34? Who knows how old Brad Stevens is? And he's just <laughs> done coaching now? Or is, like, what What? what are we talking about? Yeah, also, the stones to just be like, I've been a coach my entire Like, now I can be a GM of, like, <laughs> one of those story franchise. Like, I'm prepared to do that. His growth mindset just puts him way well beyond anyone else to just be able to be like, yeah, sure, why not? I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think – it sounds like he was ready for a new challenge. And, I mean, just just kind of listening to Brad, like, this past year, he, he seemed, oh, we got Dave DeFore on here too? Jesus fucking Christ, <laughs> we got everybody coming in. Um, but just, just kind of listening to Brad this past year, he didn't have, like, I, I don't want to say he didn't have the same energy because that might be – overstating things um but like there were times early in his career when he'd be like we we can't use excuses doesn't matter if it's a back-to-back yada yada this year like he he was like yeah well we've been injured the whole time it's like that's not really how he's been and and so i wonder now that we know this and now that he's moved out of coaching whether that was a sign that he was ready to move on and And he didn't have the same spirit he did for it, you know, a few years back um, or maybe before the bubble. And and I think for him, especially with, with two young kids, like just the lifestyle of being uh, a president of basketball operations is probably more conducive to being a family man. And, and he's always not according to Ainge. On family. <laughs> Ainge, Ainge said that almost put him in the grave. Well, Ainge, Ainge hired his son and just had his son around all the time. So maybe sure. Brad will hire sure. Brady in a few years, and and Brady will become his his right hand man. I don't want to say that Brad. Dave, like, what, what were your thoughts on this? Oh, sure, just you step just all over me being the host. I was gonna pivot to Dave. I was setting up a question for Dave. I'm the host now. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, just talk now. I guess. Yeah, you're just living in the kids' world like the rest of us. Uh, uh, look, um, I don't know. I. Jay, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit. I, I've heard the stories all year, and, and obviously you hear the stuff that he says after games. Everyone is burnout. So I wouldn't be shocked if this offseason we see a lot of weird stuff where people walk away, maybe take hiatuses. You know, it's been a weird couple years. So I'm not shocked that he's walking away, really. Um, I'm more shocked that he's becoming the president of basketball operations than anything else about this entire situation. Uh, I think Danny Ainge was out the second he started talking about what Kyrie said. Honestly, that's my feeling on it. I thought, and I don't know if it's related. That's just, I I saw this coming uh, after he said that. And with Brad Stevens, I figured he had at least another year if he wanted it. You know, this year can completely be written off with 8 million different reasons. Like we all just talked about everybody's burnout injuries, COVID compressed schedule. I mean, it was just awful timing. I mean, Gordon Hayward leaving the the entire saga while he was in Boston wasn't great. So, I mean, you can excuse it from a coaching standpoint. I I thought that they would maybe bring in an offensive minded assistant to kind of help on that end because he's obviously struggled there for years, but yeah, I don't know. It's, the president of basketball operations thing is the strangest part of this. I don't get it at all. Unless I'm, I'm it's a, to... 
Well, unless it's a face-saving move because you can't lose Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens in the same you know week, I guess. I don't know. But I expect him to miss coaching next summer and take a job somewhere. Ooh, ooh the prediction. prediction. I, I'm, I'm really yeah. curious to see what kind of coach Brad targets because I feel like most of his assistants have kind of been modeled after him. Like, like the laid-back, mild-mannered, like even-keeled types. And I kind of feel like this Celtics team needs more of a hard-ass just because – some of their best players are kind of laid back themselves. Such a typical like, Boston you, media response. No. We need a guy to scream at him. We need a guy no. to fire him up. Hey, Tom Thibodeau. We need no, Jim but, you, but you just need like, <laughs> yes. like yes. someone yes. to Everyone balance does. out the, the more laid back energy of some of their better players. And, and it's not like you need someone who's going to be screaming and yelling and being an idiot. Jim Boylan. Jeff Van Gundy. Let's get Jeff Van Gundy in here. But, but get just, Mark Jackson too. Someone who's like, like you could have like – like someone who's just really enthusiastic, like like Mike Malone is like he's not going to be screaming and yelling all the time, but but that's he's kind of like got that edge to him, you know what I mean? Yeah, so but I'm, he doesn't know how to call a fucking timeout when he's up three multiple times uh, just, in a neither Brad. Of, neither does Brad. Brad has been critiqued for his timeouts as well. The thing I think is that like I think it can be a positive for the Celtics because Brad Stevens talked uh, after his po- press conference. Uh, yesterday talking about how the team didn't really respond when they were like out some players this year. And that's something that some Brad Stevens teams of the past have done. Like they've been just able to play hard. And I don't know if he, I hate the phrase like lost the locker room. Like I don't think like the guys were trying any less hard, but I think there is value in being coached by someone else and getting a different perspective. I think Stevens uh, or Tatum and Jalen Brown talked about like how useful it was just to have pop coach them during team USA. If you look at it, like uh, the past 30 years of the league, a lot of the superstars have not won with their like first coach. There is value into kind of bringing in another guy, having a new voice in there. And so I don't know who that new guy is, but I do think it's like maybe Tatum and Brown have reached their kind of, or this team currently constructed has reached their ceiling of where they could go with Brad and they knew that they new perspective, the new guy to kind of move them forward. So I think there is a point of just like excitement. And Dave, you've been calling him what basic Brad for years now. Maybe you yeah. bring in someone who knows how to do offensive stuff. Maybe it can be a positive thing for the Celtics just to unlock something where they've reached the limit with Brad Stevens. And now there's a, a possibility of a new coach. Yeah. I mean, whoever it is, we'll have to have some equity. If it's a first time head coach, it's going to be like a Sam Cassell. Wild yeah, take I, from like, Andrew Barnes. Coach yeah, Boylan and, would be a great no fit. Way. No <laughs> way. No knowledgeable enough to get them over the hump. Yeah, no. Uh, but but like Sam take. Cassell is the first guy that comes to mind with me. Uh, been a, a lead assistant for a long time. Obviously played in the league. Guy's been ready to be a head coach from anyone you talk to. Invented like, the big nuts dance. Yeah, right. I mean, his most uh, uh, well known contributions to the game. <laughs> if, but, Tatum, if Tatum was walking around just celebrating with his nuts, that would be just fantastic. You phrased but, that so weird. I think he did. He, he really did. He threw me off. I, did, that, I think as I, I, I said it, I was like, "Oh man, that didn't come out well." I, I think the big thing though is going to be they're going to be patient. Um, look, Terry Stotts might be out in Portland. That's a guy that I would watch. Uh, who's got a ton of equity and experience and would and would probably give them a bit of a boost, I think, from a coaching standpoint. 
Um, so I think they'll wait and see how things shake out. You know, they're going to hit up all these assistants that we've, we've talked about. Darvin Ham probably gets an interview, you know, the usual suspects. Um, Who's Darvin Ham and why is he a usual suspect? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Sorry. Uh, He's Darvin Ham from the early 2000s. Darvin Ham, yeah. So Darvin Ham, uh, he's, he's an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. And, yeah. and he's he's like on that list of guys that's next, right? Like Vanterpool and, you know, again, the names that you hear in coaching interview circles. You know, uh, Ime Odoka might, you know, will probably be on the list, I would guess. You know, it would be an outside the box hire that I haven't seen his name mentioned yet. And I haven't heard from any source. So this yeah. is just me saying this. Juwan Howard. Well, uh, you know what's funny? I was going to say Jawan Howard. I actually talked to a friend of mine that's a former scout, and he said, listen, I don't have anything on this, but I think Jawan might be looking. So, I mean, I, that would be an interesting guy. Again, another guy with equity. You know, he played Does he NBA have NBA-like coaching equity, though? Like he said, he's Jawan Howard. I'm aware that he's yeah. Jawan Howard, but he's had how many years of yeah. Michigan he coaching? He coached those yeah. early 2010s Heat teams. That's right. Yeah. Like it, he's just it, been a badass for a long time. Yeah, Jawan Howard. Look, Jawan Howard could walk into any locker room and have equity, any. Uh, and he did a great job a, with Michigan. Yeah. Like they, I don't think they that's were a really question. well coached. It's, it's, it's a similar but reason a, why I'm looking at like Jerry Stackhouse because I do well, feel like he was Stack, he was great at nine oh five with Toronto. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he coached one of our players already. Keep Aaron Neesmith happy. If, if someone <laughs> listen, he needs to play more, and that's something I'm looking forward to. There's a coach who trusts young players who weren't drafted in the top three. Let me ask you guys what you think about this one. What about Carol Lawson? And I know that like she just left, but that's almost hiring from within. She just ran a program, you know, got that head coaching experience. You think she's going to get an interview or do you think she will? Brad has a ton of respect for her, right? Yeah. Like, who does he has a ton of respect for her. He has a ton of respect for Lloyd Pierce, who is another name I saw mentioned. Um, obviously, Pierce, the end of Pierce's tenure in Atlanta did not go well, and the team has been much better since he left. It's because um, Trey Young's a villain and has hate in his heart so, and couldn't so, deal with the positivity of Lloyd Pierce. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's the case. Guy. Tell um, me I'm wrong. I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know about know. the villain part, but I do know of, like Lloyd Pierce overly positive. And, and, and honestly, I think he'd be great in Boston. But I don't know if that guy has enough equity to be a, the head coach of the Celtics, right? I, I wouldn't be surprised to see an outside-the-box hire. Like, Brad has always held coaching summits every year where he has, like, all sorts of coaches come in, like like D2 coaches, like women's coaches. Um, Psychologists like, from Stanford who coach. Yeah, like all, types, all types of coaches. And so I don't know if – I don't think he'll confine it just to the NBA, but I, I do think he'll keep in mind, like, there was a steep learning curve for him. The first year, the first two years, he didn't know what was going on with NBA basketball. And it took him a while to, to adapt to some of the rules, to some of the differences. And I think, like, there's not that same level of leeway now because the Celtics aren't in a total rebuild. Obviously, they're going to have to retool around Tatum and Brown, but this team will be a playoff team. This team will be a team that that will want to to go deep in the playoffs, and I don't know if you can wait a year or two while a college coach without NBA experience like Jawan Howard um, or Jerry Stackhouse catches up, comes yeah. in and, and learns that game. 
That's I don't know I if that's see, this is my thing about Lloyd Pierce, right? Like I I worry that because Atlanta, like that situation went so poorly, that the expectations that the Celtics have internally are too high to hire him. I, I don't know. I mean, he'll probably interview though. Sorry, I've, I feel I like step on you. I've no, no, no. I was definitely doing the stepping, but no, I feel like I feel like Jawan Howard, Jerry Stackhouse, not being able to catch up to the NBA isn't quite the same as saying Brad Stevens couldn't quite <laughs> like they. John Howard just in the like. I think he knows yeah. how the league works. I, I think he'd be okay. I do think the players. Like, I, I think Brad helped a lot in the early of this, the, like when he first got hired, because he was young and relatable to a young and a team that didn't have any identity. So I think that helped him in that instance. Jalen and, and, and Tatum are still so young. I know they seem old because they've been dominating in the league since they were teens, but I would be semi urban Yeah, we need semi Andrew Barnes is making some hilarious comments out here. <laughs> But I, I don't think it would be a, a huge learning curve for, for either of them. I mean, like, obviously it's different, but Nick Nurse had to have had some type of learning curve as well, and he seemed to do okay with that. But yeah. uh, the Pacers well, guy, the Nate Bjorken, uh, didn't have really a lot of success in his first year. It's really a crapshoot, I feel like. Well, like, How do you figure out yeah. who's a, a good coach at this point or who's going to fit in the NBA? See, Dave, you seem like thing. you have a hot take on this I talk about one. this. We talk about this all the time on Nerder, right? You will hear, oh, this guy is a great assistant. And, oh, he's next up to be a head coach. You have no idea how anyone is as a head coach until they actually have the job, which is why I, when I look at, at potential candidates and I try to find ideal fits, I look at college coaches and I look in the G League and I look at overseas first because I do think those guys come in more ready because they've already done that like david now, black he was just ready for it all <laughs> i mean hold on what was that team's record when he got fired right they were pretty good they he were pretty was, good man, he, he was so he was so funny whenever <laughs> was, right, was, that was a bad situation <laughs> whenever someone would call a, a rookie coach is. he'd be like i'm no rookie like yeah, right? i won championships and it's like come on <laughs> Just, just tone it down. Like, you're a rookie yeah. in the NBA. You don't but, have to just peacock around strutting your fucking Israel League ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like I mentioned I mentioned Don, Don Staley as a potential NBA head coach a lot. Uh, because when you have that kind of success, you know, at, at a program that she literally built, I think that that translates. Because a head coach is not, like, you're not, necessarily just a basketball coach you're a relationship manager you're you're you're, you're a psychologist delegate. you're like a team yeah. psychologist well you're and you're a ceo because you have to delegate responsibility amongst your coaches like you know i'm sorry greg popovich isn't out there putting uh these guys through dribbling drills and, and you know rebounding for them right it's big picture he's not even probably drawing up you know like plays uh when they're when they're running practice and stuff he doesn't and even so, watch tape on opponents until like late in the yeah. season well, yeah, we all know that. Why would you? It's again, it's NASCAR to Formula One. You don't have to do a lot of training to go in a circle, you know. I, and not to say that NASCAR isn't difficult, but no, it's, it's not. Just it's just sport. left turns. But yeah. So and, anyway, I, I think that um, having someone that has the experience of running a program. Now, Sam Cassell, though, I think being like his the way he's been used as an assistant is more like a co-head coach. And, and you could see him sliding right in and having no problem keeping him rolling. 
The thing that's fascinating to me about we're talking about like we have no idea what's going to happen when like you have someone who hasn't run the show before come in. What's Brad Stevens going to be like as a GM? He's never done that. He'll be really good. He'll be really good. But like, first of all, he's really smart about basketball. And second of all, like his best trait is being able to relate to people. Like everyone likes Brad Stevens. There is not a single person who doesn't like Brad Stevens. There have been players who haven't loved playing for him. Um, But like even those players very much like him as a person. And so I I think, I think the role will be really good for him. I think like Danny Ainge, when he stepped in, he had no experience running a franchise either. He had, he had coached for a little while. He had been a player. Um, And I just think Brad has a unique ability to relate to a lot of different types of people. And, but is he too nice? Like how much does he value Marcus Smart in his heart? At some point, there might like I don't want them to personally trade Marcus Smart, but there's like if we talked about it last episode, Jay, like if there's going to be a rebuild, maybe you need to trade Marcus Smart. Danny Ainge was a callous dick. Danny Ainge traded Isaiah Thomas after his hip injury and did it without thinking. Is Brad Stevens going to be able to be like make the cold, calculated like business decisions that Danny Ainge does? Because just because he seems like such an affable guy who literally has built in and strong relationships with these players already. Yeah, he will. Because Brad knows it's just business. And you can still keep your relationships with people after trading them or moving on from them. Like, he's still close with Isaiah Thomas. When when Isaiah signed his 10-day contract, like, Brad hit him up. and Yeah, but is Danny close with Isaiah Thomas? Because Brad didn't have to there do was the a, There trading. was a period they weren't, but I think Isaiah's forgiven him now. But, yeah, Brad will be able to do all that stuff. I, I, I'm curious to see what he thinks the team needs because I know what I think the team needs. Um, Jeff Teague, baby. Good basketball. Well, yeah. he, that he was, was clearly a Brad signing, for way. Jeff Teague last offseason. So, well, that was the thing that was interesting that came out in the Wick. Grossbeck said that Brad's been there making all these personnel decisions with Danny for pretty much, it sounded like this year. Like Danny Ainge made the decision to leave a couple months ago. It feels like Brad definitely signed on to the 48 trade how much of a bringing in Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague to not good moves? Uh, how much of that was Brad decision making, and how much of that was uh, Danny H? I, I, I don't want to lump Tristan in with Teague. That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I yeah. know Tristan's worse than Teague. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was angling at. Neither of them can cover James Harden. I think we figured <laughs> that out this series. I don't know. I, I I would imagine, I hope Brad knows what this team needs, but like I said earlier, I think there were points where he also leaned on the wrong guys and didn't trust certain guys. So I'm, I would love to hear Brad's like the Carolina Panthers just released one of their draft room, like war room videos yesterday. I cannot wait to see like Brad on the phone, like trying to trade with people. Like I can't imagine how that's even going to, he's going to Jay, he's going to have a different relationship with you and the media moving forward. Like how Danny could talk to the media versus how Brad could on a day to day was very yeah. different. So Brad now is going to like, is Brad going to be leaking stuff to the media? Like, ah, man, I, I almost sure hope got, so. I almost <laughs> got hard. Like, uh, what, what's, what's it going to be like? Uh, I assume he'll still keep it close to the vest, but yeah, he's going to have to figure out a strategy there because his strategy has always been like, don't tell anyone anything. Right. And his strategy has been, I'm not going to ask about injuries. So I don't have to lie to the media. Cause I can actually have deniability when you're I the GM. You can't do that. You can't. I want, yeah. I want him to go full previous Celtics front office and just leak that 
they offered nine first round picks for Bradley Beal, and it just didn't work out. We came so close. You will not believe it. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) I I can't wait for all the coaches that they come close to hiring is what I'm really excited for. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I mean, the question is like the big question this offseason is to me, do you extend Robert Williams or like are you able to reach an extension with Robert Williams? I think is like question number one because he's extension eligible. Obviously, Brad knows how talented he is, but also Brad's like, well, he hasn't been on the court. It took him a while, though. Well, it took him a while, but I I think it took him a while because he was nervous about Robert Williams' body, which. Yeah. And and that like came to fruition. He was injured as soon as he started playing big minutes, basically. Um, So, yeah, that'll be interesting. And then Smart's up for an extension, I believe. And so they've got a bunch of decisions to make. Okay. Yeah, Fournier. Are they going to trade Kemba Walker or or at least explore it? Like, their their roster is going to get really expensive if they don't make some some changes or if they keep Fournier. So, and I mean, there was a, a problem I had sensed before any of like a Danny Ainge problem that has now become a Brad Stevens problem, and that problem is he's got two years with Jalen and Tatum before Jalen's probably gone because Ainge only gave him four years, which is now looking worse and worse. I get well, why you, he only- you can only put, you can only have one five year. So it was either Jalen or Tatum. Yeah. All right. Well, I get giving it to Tatum. However, that doesn't change the problem that you have two years to convince him to stay before or you have to trade him or figure something else out and that's not a that wasn't a big window for Ainge who had been dealing with this problem long term it's a now and I guess it's been Stevens has had a year to think about this he's had at least a couple months to think about it but that doesn't make the problem any smaller like that's a big one and that's when last time I was on here with you guys I was anticipating Ainge trading Jalen this offseason is Brad is that gonna be Brad's first public move as GM because that would be crazy yeah and I I think I I don't think they'll trade Jalen but I think there's huge pressure on every move from here on out because the the contract extensions for Brown and Tatum will be up before you know it. Time moves so quickly in the NBA. So you, you choose a coach, Tatum and Brown have to like that guy, right? Oh, yeah. you, you, make, you make roster decisions, Tatum and Brown better like it. You, you better turn this team from a seventh seed into, into a contender over the next few years or one or both those guys could ask out. And so there is Brad, – Brad is stepping into a very difficult situation because Ainge left him two great building blocks in Tatum and Brown, but also a salary cap mess, uh, a star in Kemba Walker who's injured and damaged and didn't help too much this season – and makes $35 million per year. Um, and and Brad's got to handle all of that, basically remake the, the rest of the roster and convince Tatum and Brown that they want to play for the next coach and they want to play with whoever their teammates will be a few years down the road. So 
is he going to change the entire direction of the franchise? What is the direction of the franchise? I'm not really sure. Um, but Brad gets to reshape it now. I don't know what moves they make because next year their salary is actually, if they don't make zero moves and don't re-sign Fournier, their salary actually goes up because yeah. uh, the Tatum uh, extension finally kicks in. So if they're going to do a rebuild, tax? what? Aren't they paying a lot of tax? Too? Well, no, that's why we traded oh, uh, Daniel okay. Tice for that's nothing Tice. is to avoid yeah, the yeah, tax. Yeah. Um, okay. That was a, right. I wonder if uh, Brad signed off on that move, but it's going to be it interesting. You have, Somebody texted sense. me today. I, I'm not even sure who it was. I, I have, I think everyone I've ever met reached out to me today. <laughs> like what the fuck is going on? But someone texted me today saying that Brad was so mad about the Tice trade that he staged a coup. <laughs> Went which, for the throne. Which I, I appreciated that text, whoever it was. But the question is, just, so you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for this short window, and it's like who – Jay, you mentioned it. Like the 76ers did a very good job of like getting rid of their guys and just building around their two stars, guys who are complementary to that. What are the types of players who are the best like complements – to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I think Robert Williams fits in that. I don't think Kemba Walker is a good fit necessarily there just because I don't think Especially he's very good. Especially with the way Tatum is starting to evolve. Yeah, like, Kemba can't play off ball, really. Like, when's the last time you saw Kemba hit a catch-and-shoot three or come off a screen and knock down? Like, I just don't think that's valuable. And so what are the players or types of players that, like, you, if you're building a team and salary cap's not an issue, who do you want around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to kind of put them in the tier of Nets, Bucks, and uh, 76ers. Because I don't think they're currently on the roster. And then you just have to worry about, oh, no one really wants to pay Kemba Walker $36 million next year. How do you make whatever the deal is necessary? What draft picks do you have to attach to kind of get off that, to get the types of players who um, fit perfectly around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Like, who is the point guard of uh, that is the ideal person that fits in there I think Marcus Smart is pretty good, solid from a defensive uh, standpoint, and his playmaking is all right. But I don't know if he's necessarily the guy you would go to uh, to be the, the kind of point guard next to those guys for the next three or four years. Yeah, I think I think two things they need to focus on most. One is shooting. They just didn't have enough shooting this year outside of, of Tatum and Brown. Like, during the playoffs, Marcus Smart, when Kemba got hurt, Marcus Smart was their second or third best offensive player. And, and that speaks to a lack of depth. It speaks to a lack of shooting. Um, the other thing is, if you do move Kemba, like you could potentially build an incredible defense with Marcus Smart at point guard. Like It could be an awesome defense. Like get, go get a power forward with, with more size than Tatum and Brown, like a long, agile guy. They're not super available but like let's say the look at the grizzlies they have a bunch of power forwards including jared jackson is kyle anderson going to be available somebody like that if, if he was on the celtics and it was it was him robert williams jason tatum jalen brown and marcus smart that is an awesome awesome defensive five and then you use tatum as a, basically a point guard smart as a secondary facilitator and and you have an identity um and i think that this year's team never really had that identity and i think moving forward like 
I know two things. One is Jason Tatum is going to continue to get more and more responsibilities. I think we saw in the net series, not only is he ready to score more, but he's ready to do more facilitating, especially if he's not passing out to like Jabari Parker and stuff. Um, and then two, two is they need more versatility and they need more size. They were tiny this year. They were tiny at point guard with Kemba Walker. They were tiny at center. They were tiny at power. They were tiny everywhere. And and Fournier gave them a little size, but if he's your backup shooting guard, that's cool. If he's your starting power forward, like you're in trouble, especially against some of the more physical teams. So I, I think that's like the the two biggest things I would do is add more size. I guess three: add more size, add more versatility, and add more shooting. And th- those are tough things to get. Everyone, saying, but everyone also how? But how? <laughs> that's you know, like good question, what? Dave. You know, with I mean, I just don't know what they're going to use. I mean, how do you guys feel about Al Horford? <laughs> I mean, that's somebody yeah. you could get, right? But, like, that's about the only guy I can think of that, hey, you know what? I know he can play with them, and they could probably trade Kemba for him. But do you have right? to attach picks to, like, yeah, get Hell that? yeah, for yeah. sure. Sam Presley doesn't basically like the money, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem, right, is that they're they're kind of, you know, they're a little bit pigeonholed. And, and, and Gordon Hayward leaving – started this this whole domino for this season for them. I mean, you know, and not having a big certainly didn't help him, but losing him as a as that playmaker was just unexpected and and they weren't ready for it. I mean, we talked Jay, we've been talking about this all year. I think the question is is like is Brad ready to come in and be bold and make a move to kind of it's not like a rebuild, but like kind of blow Brad. it up. Trader Brad is Trader Brad ready to come in and do something like trade Kemba Walker, like like Marcus Smart, I don't like want the Celtics to trade him, but he's like the next logical contract on the list of just, and if you're trying to kind of shake things up, given the shorter window we have with Tatum and Brown, is Brad ready to come in and be like, we're going to make bold moves? Or is he a guy like super frustrated because the team was never healthy this year and think like maybe we can run it back. Like we never really saw what this team could do uh, and it has some more belief in them. I don't I, I honestly have no idea. I don't think Brad has any idea what the like how he's going to operate as a GM and, and what that's going to be. I think luckily or not luckily, but the first thing is going to be like they're going to have to bring in a coach and the coach is probably going to have to sign off on uh, a lot of these deals. But I just dumbfounded. I don't know what happens next. I was not prepared for this. No, I, w- I wasn't either. I, I was I was shocked at the Brad part. That was just freaking crazy. The news just kept coming. Like there was a point, I think Ainge was technically uh, playing for the Utah Jazz <laughs> at one point. Like it was a, a, an insane series of events. But like what's weird about Kemba is Kemba would almost be perfect for this team if you could erase his contract and he was like your six men. Because all season you heard like they need someone who can come off the bench, initiate the offense and get points like well that's Kemba but you can't put a guy making 35 as your six men like it just doesn't that's where that equation completely falls apart I do think Kemba's demise is a little bit overblown too like I looked up amount of players who were taking I think it was eight or nine threes a game averaging 19 and hitting over 35 percent of them the last two years it's like him Dame and like for other people like he still can contribute offensively but there is this weird square peg round hole fit with him on the offense that can't be you're right he can't catch and shoot 
uh, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. But it's not like there's no way for him to fit with this team. I just don't think you can have someone in Boston making 35 coming off the bench that just won't sit well with people. And then the other piece, the other piece that I think is important long term is in a couple years when Kemba's contract is up, the Celtics will have a chance to clear major salary space next to Tatum and Brown. And that year, I think Embiid and Jokic are both free agents. And obviously, do you, you think Embiid's coming here? Obviously, they're they're it, any signing anyone like that is a real long shot. The problem is they're both international players, and the only way to get new guys is to play on Team USA with them and become best friends. And like, right. you're not going to get that uh, unless we got a mole inside the. Cameroon team or um, Serbian, for, team. Serbian team. There you go. Thank you for uh, helping me out there. I clearly Sign, needed it. Sign Milos Yeah, I'm big in Serbia. <laughs> Sign Milos Dosic, Pay for his carton of cigarettes a week. You know, hang on. Now, now look, uh, you could also trade for um, Micic, who uh, I think Oklahoma City has his rights. Maybe you. Uh, there you go. And, uh, you know, he was just a EuroLeague MVP ready to play. Yeah, but but even that, though that guy would work great with Tatum and, and Jalen. I mean, he's probably not a starter in the NBA, but, you know. <laughs> but even though something like that is a real long shot, I think the opportunity to potentially, you know, create cap flexibility and then have the draw of Tatum and Brown as they begin to enter their primes, like that is going to be a big draw for anybody available, whether it's a star who wants out of his current situation in a trade or a free agent like that. So, but is like, do, are they patient enough to wait till the 2023 season to just not like, we'll just right. keep running back I, this I don't team? Think they have to. I don't think they have to. I, I think that they do have options here to, to get some just, you know, high quality adult role players into a few spots. I mean, you know, you can get a, a really serviceable starting center. Like Alex Lynn would be an improvement, I think. Over the over the course of an eighty-two game season, I still think Rob Williams is your your high ceiling guy, but Alex Lynn could start, and you'd have a better center rotation immediately. So, like, there are ways to yeah. yeah I know it's weird, but it would be an improvement over Tristan Thompson. Um, for, for this for right now, for sure. Oh no, don't get me wrong. I, yeah, any, yeah. Anything's an improvement over Tristan Thompson. Jay, Jay's making a face, and I'm like. Oh, am I saying something controversial? I'm equally or, skeptical of Alex right? Len, but yeah, oh, sure. yeah, no, no, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's not good, but he is. He can go start 82 games, right? Well, it, who is the he? The Celtics, he could. Cornette, no, the Celtics, like he could. If Robert Williams he's, exists, he should consistent. start. <laughs> he's consistent. Oh no, 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 I'm with you. But you could find guys on the scrap heap, right? Like there are young guys even that are probably available. That I, I'd go that route, for right? Sure. So there are people out there that that they can that they can get. It's just that you're probably gonna lose Marcus Smart, right? Like that's that's the one guy that it feels like is gonna get moved, for sure, right? Because he's gonna have a market. And what are you gonna do with Kemba? Those to me, those are the two biggest questions. <laughs> I, and Brad I would out of the GM. I would love it if Brad Stevens was just like, you know what? I do want to get rid of Kemba, and I also want Bradley Beal. Here's Kemba and Jalen Brown <laughs> for Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. We're we're going live. Old Brad, it's hysterical. Like there was a lot of like fire Brad, fire Danny talk, and then Ainge steps down and Brad moves into the president of basketball operations. 
I don't know how happy people are about Brad moving into the GM role, but my my mentions are going to be of hopefully a more peaceful place for a little while now that uh, nobody can call for those guys to get fired anymore. I hope it drastically lowers expectations. It feels like the Celtics had wild expectations this year because they made the Eastern Conference Finals, and then everyone just ignored the fact that they didn't have Gordon Hayward anymore. And then we're confused and furious when they didn't play well, uh, especially when most of their guys were like they never had a thing. As long as and the year before that, when they did make the Eastern Conference final, they had just lost Horford. They uh, lost Kyrie. Like expectations were low and everyone was pleasantly surprised when they made the run. So, like, let's just bring expectations down a little bit and everyone's going to have a lot more. uh, And Brad tried to do that this past season. Brad. From the very beginning of the season, it was like, tone it down, motherfuckers, in his own way, of course. Tone it down, motherfuckers. We are going to be very average. We are not confident enough. We are injured. We are not what you guys think we are. And even before the season started, he said, you know, this is going to take a while to figure out. We're not where we need to be. And his messaging was very consistent the whole way through. Basically, we're not good enough. We don't have the pieces needed to be as good as you think we are. We are not going to get to the level you guys think we're at. And and now he's in charge. Now he's in charge of, of revamping the roster. So I he said he has a lot of work to do, and I, I think he is very well aware that the roster needs serious upgrades in a number of places. And speaking, since Gordon Hayward was brought up, I'd be remiss if I didn't blame all of this on him. Because that's truly what the problem has always been. It, 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 this like rotten seed. Everyone thinks it's the Isaiah thing. This rotten seed was when Utah came to Boston and Jay Crowder was yelling at his own fans because we were openly cheering for Gordon Hayward before his free agency. That's where this rotten seed came from. And then I, I tweeted it out earlier. Danny Ainge had an all-time 13-month run where he drafted Jalen Brown, was widely criticized for it by his own fans. Fans booed. They booed. He drafted Jalen a a week later. He signs Al Horford. The first came close, came close to signing Kevin Durant. Didn't quite. The next (laughs) offseason. Yeah, exactly. And Tom Brady. The next offseason, he trades in the division, the number one pick, to go back down to three because he knew how incompetent the Lakers were. And he gets Jason Tatum. A week later, he does, in fact, sign Gordon Hayward. That signing doesn't become official until two months later when he trades for Kyrie Irving and they have a joint press conference. In 13 months, new starting five. He ships out Avery Bradley, turns over 13 to 15. Every other GM in the and the world and the history of the NBA would kill a close relative to have a successful 13 months as Danny Ainge did. And it lasted for five minutes. And Gordon <laughs> Hayward caught an errant lob pass from Kyrie Irving. And that was it. We had a five minute window. I don't care that we made the Eastern Conference Finals that year. We scored 60 points in game seven. That wasn't Danny Ainge's <laughs> fault. Then he gets a little too greedy. He keeps too many people. The bench is too deep. Terry Rozier doesn't get enough minutes. He gets furious. No one's getting enough. Jalen Brown's minutes go down after he had helped carry that team to game seven. They go down before he could take his step forward the year after. It was so strange to Al Horford leaves. Like, no one saw Al Horford leaving coming. I'll never understand. And then the last thing Gordon Hayward did that truly pissed me off is he took up our time. 
He pushed back his extension. <laughs> he took up our time, and we lost out on Christian Wood because of that. I truly believe that. The missing piece, the piece that could have helped this year and beyond, the power forward, the size we need, the shooting off ball we need, and Christian Wood, who signed well below market value, happens while we're trying to figure out if we're trading him for Miles Turner, where he's going, and then he just kind of signs with the Hornets, and the Hornets give us a trade <laughs> exception for really no reason at all. So, yeah, thank you, Gordon Hayward, for this miserable four years. I think that's a great place to, to end. Hayward. It's all, it's all Gordon Hayward. No, it's all his fault. Cole it's not out the his fault, but it's also his fault. Be, before, <laughs> before we go, I, I do want to just talk a little bit about Ainge's tenure. Beyond what Coley just said, because you go back to 2003 when he first took over the team, he had Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker and a team that was going nowhere, and he knew it. And from the start, he had guts. You talked about trading the number one pick to move down to get Jason Tatum at number three. His first move, basically, was trading Antoine Walker, a three-time All-Star, who had just made the All-Star team the previous season. He was like, you know what? We're not good enough. I'm not going to settle for 44 wins. I don't think Anton Walker is as good as the rest of you dumbasses think he is. And and he made that move, and he knew it would, you know, push push the road to contention down the, the line, but he thought that was the best way to to give the Celtics a chance. It's ironic that they are now in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. The exact situation he wanted to avoid as soon as he took the job. So, but, like, in between, like, how many – great moves did he have before everything kind of went to shit the last few seasons before Gordon like, Hayward like five over. straight years of a clinic of of GMing from from the Isaiah Thomas trade to like the million trades they made that one season where they just like cycled from one small asset to like a little bigger asset to like a little bigger, a little bigger. You didn't even mention the Brooklyn Nets trade, which is hilarious now. <laughs> well, well, obviously, that, that was a great one too. But, but I love on the broadcast, they're like, Brooklyn, re- like, did the Nets really lose that trade? Because look where the Nets are now. Yes, they yeah. lost that trade. Yeah. Those picks turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The Nets just happened game. not to be the Knicks when and Kyrie and KD them. became free agents. Like, obviously, they lost that trade. Yeah. Can I say something about the Isaiah trade that absolutely no one's going to like? Yes, please. It was a bad trade for us. Ooh. It cost us it it cost us the what was that the 13 or four, the 14 draft? Like we made the 8 seed promptly got destroyed by Cleveland. Everyone told me that was going to be great for everyone moving forward. That probably cost us Devin Booker. Like you don't think Danny Ainge would have wanted to draft Devin Booker instead of Terry Rozier? And that absolutely does not affect the Nets continuing to stink and us getting Jalen and Tatum. Like Isaiah was great. If you're if we're talking in terms of just enjoying basketball, which which was a big, it was it seemed to be the the theme of this season. Like, hey, if you're not going to win a championship, at least enjoy the regular season, enjoy the ride. I don't disagree with that. And there is no one, absolutely no one, better than giving you that regular season show than Isaiah Thomas. However, well, that's Brad Stevens' fault for making them win. Like they yeah, had a well, trade for Isaiah and then just not Evan the Turner never should have contributed to winning. And all I'm saying is that season when I when all I wanted to do was tank for towns, which in hindsight, who knows? But in that whole season, when that's all I wanted to do, when we had the team when we had the horses to do it, 
And then we make this midseason trade, make the playoffs for no reason. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, now we have to build. Now people want Isaiah Thomas and Jimmy Butler to play together. Okay. That was that was the course's direction at one point. Flip side. If if they don't and obviously none of it really worked out, but if they don't sign Isaiah Thomas and make the playoffs, they don't get Al Horford. They don't get Gordon Hayward. Like you know Isaiah made all of that possible. And obviously none of that stuff worked out. Isaiah was also traded for Kyrie Irving. They they were able to assemble what could have been a championship contending team because of that trade. And if Isaiah had stayed healthy, if Kyrie had stayed functional, if the if Hayward had stayed upright, then <laughs> yeah, and, just and Anthony jump. Davis didn't completely hate the entire city of Boston in the Why did they hate him? Because of the Isaiah trade. Because Ooh. the Isaiah it trade. It all comes back to the Coley theory. But Ainge even said when he traded for Isaiah, we could have done this in the summer. Maybe someone else might have traded for him now, so we felt like we might as well get this bird in the hand. If he just calls everyone's bluff, was Phoenix really going to trade their like third, four-string point guard? Of course not. It's like, could we have just waited that summer at Booker and Isaiah for that next year? Not even necessarily Booker, but everyone's favorite Miles Turner now. Someone like that. Like, who knows? All I'm saying is if we're truly judging Angel They would have Bush, probably drafted whoever was like the 28th pick that year. After they would have drafted Terry Rozier no matter what. Right. Yeah, it was Terry. Terry Rozier. They would have taken him with the eighth pick. There's one name on the whiteboard. But Terry if Rozier, listen, no if what. we listen, there's no chance we're trading them for Kemba because we believe him more. So even in that situation, it's still a better workout. It works out better. So Danny Ainge, Nets trade, but traded for Isaiah. Generally positive (laughs) or generally a good thing, a bad thing? Who knows? It's not up for for us to make that uh, determination. I guess it is. We're all talking heads on the podcast about basketball. I loved Ainge. I always felt comfortable going into an offseason, going into a trade deadline that we at least we wouldn't get our pants pulled down, even if it was a flag. I, I trusted Ainge's vision. It, like the process that he that he put on to his draft strategy is what got us Jalen Brown. It's what got us Jason Tate. Like there were misses before that. Jeff Green was a miss that led to to Jason Tatum. So that's the kind of stuff that I always appreciate with any aim. I hope we can that Brad has moving forward. All right, I think we've done it. We talked a day. What a motherfucking day! Just constantly, just trying to step on me, Jay. Now that we have guests, like trying to be the big man, trying to be the host. I was just Wanted trying to-, to give a nice little Denzel training day quote. I thought that would be a nice touch. But did anyone else get that? That was a training day quote. Nope. I, no, I missed it. King yeah. Kong ain't got shit on me. Well, that one's that the one obvious one, but yeah, that one already got. But thank you, Dave Dufour <laughs> from The Athletic for joining us. Coley Mick from Barstool Sports for breaking it down. Just what was a wild, uh, wild day for in Celtics land. It certainly made the off is has made this offseason a lot more interesting uh, for Jay and I talking about it here on Anything Is Potable. Thank you to the the YouTube's uh, people out there watching us. Thanks for everyone who subscribes to the show uh, and gives us five stars and. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, I just have a question for you guys. Um, when Gordon Wood drastically underestimated the impact of social distinctions predicated upon wealth, especially inherited wealth, was that potable? Anything. Anything.